Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of the Cutting Room Floor, uh, little podcast that I started to showcase any entertainers from all walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, I want to hear from you. The easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody who knows me. I'm on there all the time at Cutting Room MRB, or you can like me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cutting Room MRB. Uh, soon to be syndicated out in the West Coast, thanks to Ethan Detmeyer and the gang over at Brigade One Radio. Uh, you'll be able to listen to me there, uh, syndicated. I, I'm going to be sending them my recordings, and they're going to be playing them out in uh, uh, Ground Zero for the movie business. I couldn't be more excited about this at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time on Saturdays. Uh, quick thank you, t- as I always do at the top of the show, uh, to the Wolf, who acts as my announcer. You can listen to him and his dear wife, Susan. Uh, every Friday night right here on the Mix Radio Network and the uh, Live from the Morgue show. I always enjoy every chance I get to uh, gate crash that show. Uh, and uh, to Michael Cardillo, who acts as my, uh, who wrote the little jingle for me there, a free gratis for nothing. I want to make sure I give him credit. Uh, so special show today. I've only we're only going to be covering basically one project. Um, this is an interview that I wanted to do for a while, and once in a while you, you get it, it's kind of nice because you know, all, most of the people that I've met are you know, have been virtual, and I've, I've had people on from as far away as Australia and Argentina and Poland and South Africa and all over the place. Uh, but once in a while you have a project that's a little close to home, and if you're lucky, you even actually get to meet the person. So uh, I, I got a friend of mine on the show today, and don't look at me like that. I actually have a friend or two. Uh, so I've, I've got three guys on the line here, uh, all of which are very prolific local filmmakers. Uh, you can tell, like me, they've got good Irish names. So I've got, uh, <laughs> I've got Soto Katakos, uh, Tommy Grossman, and John Dichter on the uh, on the phone so Soto just to give you some information as uh, the aforementioned friend of mine um, who is a producer with a background in accounting and production uh, and has worked on some huge projects in the uh, in the film business uh, basically any major project that was shot in Montreal he he got a chance to work on we're talking big ones like uh, you know films from the X-Men franchise the aviator and the list goes on and on and on uh, a shorter list of films uh, would would be the ones that he didn't work on that are actually shot here so uh, um, I've been wanting to do this interview for a long time. Uh, joining him today is somebody that I worked with indirectly, and uh, you know we've communicated by email on and off for the last little while. Uh, he's a very prolific uh, producer and director who's worked for all of the major uh, U.S. networks, and uh, you know the majority of the uh, the cable ones out of the U.S. And he's got over 40 film and TV credits to his name, uh, and has worked with some of the great cinematic legends in the business and and when I say that we're talking Burt Lancaster, Robert Mitchum and thanks to Tommy I can now honestly hand to heart play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Uh, come on guys that was funny right? <laughs> uh, 
and also on the line was uh, with him is, is John Dieter. And uh, John uh, has got a bunch of credits to his name, including a documentary called Shuckers about oysters uh, and two more projects called Burning Mussolini and Bikini Girls on Ice. And there's a sentence that I never thought I'd hear myself say out loud. Uh, and when forces collide, you get a project called Long Gone Day. And this is the, uh, a co-production uh, between the companies uh, run by Soto and Tommy and, and John, who is brought on as a, uh, a director for hire. We're gonna hear more about that and a whole bunch of other fun stuff in the process. Uh, so without further ado, um, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes for the first time uh, Soto Katakos, uh, Tommy Grossman, and John Dachter. Uh Guys, how you doing? Very good, Casey, you? So, uh, hi, Casey. Uh, just a note to, to uh, the listening uh, public that uh, John Dieter is on by telephone, so hopefully you'll be able to hear him. And I'm here with Soto, Yeah, we, we mentioned that. Yeah, we we had some last-minute emergency surgery that we were trying to do with the uh, with the Skype connections, but we uh, everybody's here, and that's that's the important thing, right? John, you can hear me, okay, right? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? I can. I hear you. It clear as a bell. All right. So, hey. so uh, I guess Tommy, I'll I'll start with you, right? Um, you initially had another production company first before you started uh, before you started Fat, right? Yes, that's correct. You've done your homework. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess you know how, how you know what can you tell us about you know starting up the one company and then moving over to the second one? Well, it's 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 uh, very it's a simple story really. Uh, originally, um, I got into the industry working as an assistant director. I worked under a company named Felix Productions, and it was just a personal service company. And then, uh, and then I got into producing uh, projects, and uh, so we opened another company called Fat Productions, F A T. And um, F A F A T is, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of a clever little you know acronym that you've come up with, right? Film and television, right? Yes, correct. I, I, I uh, it stands for film and television, correct? But but there's a little back there's a little backstory that I don't usually share. As, as, since you brought up the Felix Productions, Felix was my dog, and uh, so that originally was Felix, Allison, and Tommy. Um, Allison was my partner at the time, so um, we went with SAT. And uh, the bank manager, when we opened our first account, said, oh, I get it, film and television. So, so it kind of stuck that way. And what would you say distinguishes you from other, you know, sort of independent production companies out there? There's a lot of them, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that we uh, have anything that, that special or unique. I mean, the idea was to open a company and uh, independently uh, use uh, mostly in-house material, um, projects that uh, come from, you know, things we find or things we... We uh, make up, you know, research, whatever, um, inspirations. But uh, it's a good question because uh, today uh, we're, we've got John, and um, John was one of the first. John's project was one of the first projects we did that was not uh, that came from another source. And John can explain it. Uh, it was John that uh, created the, the project and developed the project. 
and uh, the script was so great, and he had such a great package of people behind the project, we, uh, we decided to go for it, break our own rule, and do a project that didn't come from within. So we co-produced with John, John and his company, Endosin Films. Okay, and, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, but, but uh, sort of my next question was actually for you. Now, I understand that you started out in finance, right? And you, you worked on some huge, huge, huge projects. Um, what was the catalyst for you to, you know, sort of move into the production side and work on your own stuff? Well, uh, like you said, for many years um, uh, I worked, uh, I was hired to work in, in, in finance and accounting on, on major films that, uh, that would come in from uh, mostly, mostly Hollywood, mostly Los Angeles. And as many people know, and many of the listeners know, um, you know, the film business here in Montreal is, is, has been booming for many years. And I was part of that crew that made these films that came from, let's say, Hollywood to, uh, to Montreal. And, uh, but, you know, I always, you know, I was always into movies. I always wanted to, to find out more about how to make a, a movie from its, you know, from the beginning, its inception to, to uh, its editing and, and final cut. And uh, you know, I, the opportunity came with Fat and uh, and my partner and friend Tommy Grossman, and uh, it was just it was just a great fit. Uh, it was fun to be uh, to be part of uh, doing something from from uh, from the ground up. And and I'll I'll share a little anecdote with you, Soto. I, I ever since I found out about this, uh, uh, my wife and I have a kind of a fun little habit when we go to a movie that I know that you've had worked on, yeah. right? And uh, we stay and watch the end credits until I see your name, and then it's okay to leave, <laughs> right? So. Thanks. Sir. Sometimes you gotta wait a while, though. I know, but you know what? I I, 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 I wait for it. I, I say, I'll, I, you know, I said I've I've met this guy. I said I want to see the, you know, he you know, he worked on it. I want to see the credit. So. I, I still get some calls from uh, from people, friends who say, "Hey, I saw your name uh, on the credits. Uh, it's it's uh, it's fun. It's a thrill." to this day. So, so, so what were some of the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to list all of them, but what, what were some of the ones that stick out in your mind that were among your favorites that you worked on? Well, I, uh, that's a tough question because there's, there's a lot and for different reasons. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, I think the one where I met Tommy was, was, was a lot of fun. It wasn't so much a film, though. It was, uh, it was a TV series. I don't know if... Uh, the viewers will remember it was from the late '90s, early uh, 2000s, called the Student Bodies. Okay. Yeah. And um, it was just a great crew. Uh, you know, the crew was young. Uh, the high school students were, uh, you know, in their early 20s, and uh, so was I. I was in my 20s, and it was a lot of fun to just hang out. Uh, you know, after the shoot and uh, and on weekends sometimes also. And of course, we had that ping pong table. Right. <laughs> Every time we had a break, we go and we play uh, we play ping pong with each other and have uh, tournaments. Um, one other one that stands uh, that um, uh, I've always I've always remember was uh, I had an opportunity to work in uh, in Africa in Kenya on a film um, named To Walk with Lions with uh, Richard Harris, and uh, I got to spend four months in uh, in Kenya, mostly in Nairobi. And uh, when, when we went to shoot, we went into the deepest jungle and. Uh, it was just a great experience. Uh, again, the crew. I find most of the time, what what makes a good film or working on a good film is, is the uh, is the people that are around you, and uh, you know they make it memorable. The, the times you have during the film, and, and 
and and between you know uh, you know Well, yeah, I mean, you guys are, I mean, you're on the other side of the planet, right? And, you know, you're, you're basically forming your own little family at that point for, for the brief time that you're there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about the, the one in Africa. Yeah. And it was, I think it was 1998, and, uh, you know, internet was still, um, you know, starting out, and you, you wouldn't always get a good connection and stuff. And if you were in Africa, and you're trying to call home, um, and it used to take hours sometimes to try to like, to call your 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 mom or something, say hello, you know. So yeah, it was, uh, but it was a, it was a great experience, though. It was, uh, it was a lot of. So, uh, uh, John, I guess we'll, we'll switch gears a little bit, and, and um, I, I understand that uh, from d discussing with Tommy and Soto here that, that this was a joint production between both of your companies, right? That, that this is a, very much a collaboration between the two groups. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, I started out, I worked with a friend of mine, Michael Penny, on the screenplay for a couple of years. We need the readers and topics that we want to make a movie about. And then once we have a choice, I'm so thrilled with it. First question was, like, how are we going to get this made? So I, had, I was working on another project with Tommy as an editor. And, and let's get in a good solid plug for for your production company. What what uh, what is your uh, firm called, John? Sorry, my. Uh, What's the name of your production company? Okay, well, yeah, uh, you're cutting in and out there, uh, but uh, I guess I'll throw this open to everybody. What, what is that, what is Long Day Gone about? Long Gone, long gone Day. Long Gone, gone day. day. Long Gone Day, I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead, John. And this is this is a feature film, right? Yeah, it's a feature film. It's and uh, I, I guess when did you, where are you guys at with this? Is it completely finished? Is it in post production? I, I guess where are you with it right now? It's uh, yeah, it's been fin it was finished in 2013, and it's uh, it's it's going to be running on Bell Media. We're not sure about the exact channel yet. Uh, we're going to release uh, that information as soon as we get the information. Yeah. And uh, it's played at a couple of festivals uh, and uh, got, you know, I think pretty warm reception. And uh, we're excited to see it nationally uh, broadcast. Uh, it's, a, it's a big feat for, uh, for a small independent movie. Okay, and I'm going to uh, get back to the uh, the festival circuit because I, I really love hearing those stories. And believe it or not, for all the 500-plus episodes I've done of this show, I still have yet to go to a single solitary film festival, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> but, yeah. well, the Montreal one is coming up, so uh, 
you know, you can make comments for that. I, 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 yeah, I got that. I got Fantasia. There's a, another one uh, called Flyaway in uh, Wisconsin. I keep getting invited to, and I, you know, I just haven't had the opportunity yet. But um, so what I'm going to do, guys, now is I'm going to take a bit of a break. I'm going to play the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up by uh, Jason Hadley, and uh, I'm going to play a little Billy Ocean for you. This was kind of rattling around in my head, so I play movie theme songs when I can. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to play When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going. And we'll be back in a few minutes with my guests, uh, Soda Katakos, Tommy Grossman, and John Dichter on the cutting room floor. It's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up with your host, Jason Hadley. Too Fast, Too Furious actor Cole Hauser took a plea deal in his DUI case and now has to blow into a device that measures his blood alcohol level before he can even start his car. The judge decided to give him restricted driving privileges as it sure beats being a walker. Specifically, his former co-star Paul. Alec Baldwin's daughter Ireland is taking the Kardashian route and posting nude photos on her social media accounts. Of course, for men who have yet to see a naked Ireland, don't be surprised if something on you starts doubling. Long since their turbulent divorce, John Goslin, husband on the former reality show John and Kate Plus 8 was recently discovered, working the grill at a Pennsylvania TGI Fridays, and still takes fewer orders than back when he was married to Kate. And that's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Wrap Up.
Uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And if, uh, if you're my age, roughly, you remember the video with that one where Danny DeVito was pretending to wail around on the uh, on the uh, saxophone that was almost as big as he was, and that still makes me laugh. <laughs> you guys remember that? Yes, I think uh, wasn't that this from the soundtrack of the movie Jewel of the Nile? That was from Jewel of the Nile, exactly. It was, yeah. Yeah. okay, okay. Good, good for go. you. And Michael, Michael du and Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner were in that video yeah. too. So. Nice little, nice little memory there, right? So, um, yeah. so uh, before we were uh, went to the break there, guys, we were talking about uh, how you screened the uh, uh, Long Gone Day at uh, at some film festivals. I was just wondering which ones you'd actually brought it to. Well, we were we, we got to show it at uh, I think it was a three night uh, three night thing at the at the Montreal World Festival uh, and. Uh, and also at the Rendezvous Festival in Quebec. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we had, you know, some of us went up and, and uh, took questions from the people that watched it. People seemed uh, uh, pretty pretty interested in what they saw and kind of um, uh, entertained at the same time. It was a lot of fun. And what's it like, actually, you know, as filmmakers, and I'll put this question to all three of you, I mean, this must be a surreal experience, right? And I've been to a couple of films where, where the directors were there, and I didn't even realize it until afterwards, but what's it like for you guys sitting in a theater with a room full of people that have come there specifically to see a project that you guys have done, right? I mean, what goes through your head when that happens? John, I, I would imagine that sitting there you, that you're worried that, that you, you're you trying to get certain reactions from people based on certain notes that you've planted in the film. Uh, did that happen for you at all? Like, uh, you, you know, people gasping or something like that or going, oh, geez, you know, like at a moment where you knew that you wanted them to. Yeah, generally speaking, they do. Um, I think that the reaction, the number one thing that I noticed afterwards was the amount of tears in the audience. And I was hoping it wasn't because of the film, but uh, they, they, um, they would react mainly to the sad parts of the film, and it really affected people a lot more than I thought it would. I thought it was just, you follow this guy's journey, and it's impactful, but to see people react so viscerally to it was amazing. Um, and the other thing is the comedy. It's not a funny movie at all, but there were laughs throughout in certain parts of it where the character would do something you never thought would be funny moment and then you look at it through the audience point of view and you realize that it, there is some comedy in it after all. 
Well, I mean, it may not necessarily be, you know, uh, laughter for the sake of finding something funny. I mean, sometimes people laugh just because it, they're so taken off guard by something that, you know, I mean, I, I'll admit to that, too. It's, it's, you know, kind of a dark funny, if you will. Yeah, there were a few uh, twists in the movie uh, where, you know, you, you were taken by surprise. So, um so that was interesting to see, like where that was with the, with the audience. You know? So we actually we actually had uh, a person brought a friend and didn't didn't explain to the friend what the movie was about, the subject matter, and uh, you know the whole background of the heroin and the addiction and everything. Turned out this woman had had the same experience in her life in real life. And came up to us and uh, thanked us actually for having uh, depicted, you know, a difficult subject, but in a you know, in a very authentic way, and, and we hope in an educational way as well. And it's funny how that happens too, though, right? Like, and I'll admit to that too that that every once in a while you, you get a film that that kind of sticks with you, and it, it, to a certain extent, you you feel like they're talking directly to you for some reason. And they they you know it, it really is strange when that happens. I don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's um, that's what I was hoping for. I hope that when people watch the movie, they. you know there's a time and a place for for comedy like that too right i mean uh, you know there's all kinds of stoner comedies out there that people can go see if they want to laugh at that kind of stuff right but uh you know it sounds to me like you guys had a you know a, a good hard story to tell and, and you figured out a way to do it uh you know tastefully and honestly yeah and you know i'd like to add that it's interesting because you know essentially uh, you know, there's, there's an old adage that uh, every every good film is a love story, and this one was very much a love story, and uh, we got tremendous performances out of Tim Rozon and and, and Cindy, and um, and uh, so so when you're when you're when you're watching a film such as this, and you have the background of the heroine and everything. Filmmakers really do hope that the love story comes across, and that's you know, that's what really impacts the audience. And you, and you got to do it right because you know, like like you said, uh, people people have suffered and suffer from from this stuff. So you got to make it seem like you're not like it's it's, it's real, like Tommy said, authentic. Um, and I, I really, yeah, you're right about the performances. I mean, Tim Rosen, Cindy Sampson, uh, uh, incredible. Um, um, you know, authenticity in that. And, and also, we, you know, we're getting back to what we talked about earlier, that John had brought the project to us, and and, and with his partner Natalino, um, they did the casting. I mean, I think we casted maybe maybe one person after we got on board. And you know, most important is you know the script and the cast. And we were so fortunate being independent producers. To have access to such a tremendous cast, I mean, 
Yeah. Uh, the two leads did just an amazing job, and and the supporting cast, every single actor in the movie, you know, because often you can have these independent movies like you know, there's a one or two weak actors, and sort of it only takes one weak actor yeah, to sort of blow the whole thing, you know, and and um, we were really fortunate, and um, and uh, I think that's a big part of making the movie feel authentic and and feel and, and be very uh, give you a visceral experience. Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute then, I, you know, since you brought it up. Uh, you know, casting, of course, is critical, as is, to me, writing is is the linchpin of any movie, I, I find, because, uh, you know, I've often said on this show and, and other interviews that I've done that there's a lot of things that you can compensate for in a film, but bad writing isn't one of them, right? Yeah. Uh, um, but but how how did you go about how did you go about casting your your uh, your, your uh, actors in this? Was it an open casting call? Was this people that you'd worked with before? Uh, how did you do that? Yeah. Well, it was actually uh, um, my partner at the time, Lino, had uh, a connection with Tim Rosen. Tim Rosen was his across the hall neighbor, and he he had written something with Tim in the past, and would always talk about movies with him. And I kind of knew Tim because he went to my med school. I knew him as a great actor and was doing a music-based t- uh, television show on uh, Instant Star. So I was like, this guy might be perfect. He looks for it. He's got the uh, musicianship and he can sing. So it's fantastic. Let's, uh, let's be judgmental. Just like boldly set in the script and see what his reaction is. And uh, he left. And I thought Spin was actually a lot easier to bring other actors on board who would either work with him or so we kind of cast it yeah. uh, Tommy, you guys have anything to add to that? Yeah, add to that? Well, I mean, again, as I said before, the main point was that, uh, uh, you know, I, I said before in an inter- interview when John you know, came to us with the project and had this great script and had this great cast and had some crew and uh, even some equipment and a little bit of financing, and they said, John, what, what, what do we do on this project, you know, because, you know, they, they did a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, and um, so they did a tremendous job. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so we, we had, we, we uh, of course, we learned a lot on the picture ourselves because, you know, so as you heard before, Soto's background, working on these Hollywood movies and, and, uh, you know, we hadn't worked on indie projects before, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication. So so it was a great experience. And I think uh, going back to Tim Rosan and his performance, um, you know, we had someone come in who who worked. I think it was it was maybe the first festival that here in Montreal came to see the film. Or, um, she worked with people who are, who are unfortunately, you know, drug addicted and stuff like that. She was truly uh, touched by by the performance. Like she really felt it, you know, and um, and, and and let us know about that. I made a point of letting us all know about that. I'll ask you, the three of you, because I'm I'm interested because you between the three of you, you've got all this experience, right? Um, how do you think? I'm going to pick this question carefully has the indie film or entertainment industry changed at all in Canada specifically since the three of you started working in it and and what are some of the changes that you guys have noticed well I um, 
I think that's a, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough question, a loaded question. I mean, as I said, we, we don't have a ton of experience in indie filmmaking. Um, well, I apologize so, if you thought the question was loaded. I, 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 that wasn't my intention. I, so. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Um, uh, I, I, I have read recently... It's, it's a lot of the okay, John, was there something you wanted to add there? John? Hello? Yeah, I, I thought a lot of it, um, if the cop equipment actually makes a huge difference. New cameras are coming out every day, uh, yeah. new avenues of distribution are available. So you can literally go out, buy a camera for a couple grand now, and get the picture quality of a $100,000 camera from 10 years ago. So it's opened up this kind of ease of actually making the movie. So you can come at it from a lot more indie. You don't need to go in with billions of dollars anymore. You can get professional level equipment and um, I think also the skill set of people has diversified so you'll have someone who can shoot a film but can also edit a film or produce a film and also write a film right. and you can go in with, uh, with smaller crews and get the same kind of quality in your final product and, and the thing with indie uh, which is probably uh, common to all indie films is, is the fact that you know you, when, you, when you do the film uh, there's no waste, you know. Like you can't, you can't waste time. You can't waste uh, resources because you know you're, you're limited on the budget and you're limited on on uh, time too. So um, uh, that's uh, that, that was the biggest challenge for us, and I think that that remains a challenge for any any indie producer to this day, you know. So uh, all three of you have tried. I, I, I'm, I mean, John has done editing and directing, and uh, you know, Soto, you certainly worked in finance and production, and, and Tommy, you've done producing and directing, right? You've, you've all had a chance to do multiple things. Is there any part of the creative process that goes into making a movie that each of you finds especially rewarding? Like, what do you enjoy most about it? I, I think, I think, uh, I can, I can answer that. Um, <laughs> go ahead, John. Go ahead, Tommy. I okay. yeah. it's, uh, for me, it's the storytelling because both editing and directing require a good kind of foundation in storytelling and being able to trend, transition or translate story in a very coherent way to an audience. So I find that's like my fundamental skill set is to go in there knowing what the, what is the story that I want to tell and who am I telling it to. I, I, I'm glad that John jumped in there to, uh, to answer the question because I was going to say something similar uh, because Casey, you said what is the you know creatively, and I was just going to say it's it's just that it's the creative process, and you know what John just articulated was you know telling the story. It's the creative process of of um, developing a story and telling that story and executing that story. So really. Every department, you, you talked about, you know, John talked about uh, independent filmmakers doing different jobs on a set or off the set. Um, every every job is important, and and it's all about, um, you know, creativity and, and bringing, that, putting, bringing that vision together. Yeah. Yeah. Putting all, bringing all the departments into uh, the uh, cohesive all together and... Uh, they have the same goal, let's say. I think that's the that's the biggest challenge of producing, trying to get all these uh, aspects together. 
Uh, and, and John, uh, this is a question I like to ask directors specifically, but um, do you prefer to do your own editing or do you like to work with an outside editor who, uh, I mean, I can imagine that this must be a painstaking process for you knowing that, you know, there are certain restrictions and, you know, for cohesiveness or, or whatever that, that certain things need to be dropped or added. But uh, what's your take on that? Do you prefer to do your own directing or do you like to work with someone else? Uh, for editing, I, I, I love when other, I have the opportunity to work with other editors because I'll go in with a vision and I'll shoot that vision. But the editor might add something different that I never thought about and a different way to tell the story. I think once you're clear with your vision, you can change it. If you're not 100% sure on what you're doing and you go in, the editing process could take forever. But um, on that day, it was especially rewarding because I was able to direct the film on set and then we had hired an editor to come in that uh, both uh, Tommy and I worked with independently. Um, and he, between him and Tommy, he, they were able to bring things to the story that I had never even thought of. And I was able to do the same with the editor afterwards, and I think that made the picture as good as it is. Okay, let's get in a plug for uh, for that gentleman's name. Who was who the editor on the project? Uh, Jeff Klein. Jeff Klein, I'm yeah. The editor, also the owner of BGOI Films. If you like slasher movies, he's, he's best. They, um, Casey, they say that a picture is done three times, in the writing, in the directing, and in the editing. Uh, that, okay, I, that's an interesting analogy, actually. I, uh, I hadn't ever thought of it that way. I'm, I'm reminded of another quote by a filmmaker that uh, I had on here a uh, uh, long time ago. And uh, he, he, something that he said stuck with me. One of the first couple of interviews that I did, he said, no, he said, no film is ever complete. It's only abandoned. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, one of the, the the consistent pieces of feedback that I, I, I get on this show uh, is that securing locations is consistently one of the hardest things to do, right? Uh, how did you guys approach that, or, or was that an issue for you at all? It's something that we thought about in the six because independent films are generally hard to put together. We wanted to write something that didn't take place in too many locations. But the whole story revolves around this rock star in his loft. So our basic locations were a park and a loft, and that was 95% of the movie. So it was, uh, it was just a question of finding the perfect loft for it, and it turned out Tommy knew a guy who had exactly that loft. So we were able to rent uh, a huge loft space and then construct this guy's house inside it. And, and you know, it's, it's a catch-22 situation, because as John said, you know, you're limited in terms of your resources on an independent film. On the other hand, we, we did have this nice loft, and when I walked in there, and John and Natalino started to set up the loft, uh, you know, and have the art director set dress the loft, I was looking at the loft and I was going, oh my God, how are they going to tell this story in basically one room? And, you know... It, it was part of the story that he was he was in that room, but uh, but you know for the audience to, to move it along and not get bored and and and, and uh, it's 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 quite a difficult task and I think they, the the guys did a fantastic job. <laughs> and just a little aspect of this movie, it was like um, a lot of it involved uh, our lead actor Tim Rosan having flashbacks. Uh, of you know better times uh, before he got he got addicted, and uh, you know it's and it's a love story, so that 
the flashbacks were usually that love story. And uh, to be able to, um, you know, make sure when you're, when you're flashing back, you show the loft in a, in a proper state. And then when you're in, in the present, you show it in its, uh, you know, in its uh, drug addicted state, let's say. Um, so that was, that was a great, uh, great job done by the art department in that, in that, in that respect for sure. We have to tie this up, guys, but before we do, I, I just want to make sure we get in a good solid plug for everybody. And uh, Tommy, we'll start with you. Where can people go to uh, learn more about your work? Well, we, we have a website, a very simplistic website, uh, fatproductions.tv. Okay. And uh, Soto, how about yourself? Do you want to direct people to the same site? Or is there, uh... Yes, absolutely. The, okay. the same site. That's right. Okay. And John, how about yourself? Well, gentlemen, it's been uh, you know it's been a proud privilege to speak with all of you, and and if you want to come back in a couple of months after you've got your uh, your screening schedule there with uh, you know with the television lined up, uh, you know let me know, and I'd be happy to have any or all of you back. Absolutely, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks a lot, Casey. So, if you guys could just hang on the line one minute after I do my sign off, I just have one last question for you, and uh, I promise I won't keep you any later than three o'clock, but. Uh, that's going to about do it for us today on the cutting room floor. My guests have been uh, Tommy Grossman, John uh, Dieter, and Soto uh, Katakos, and uh, we've been talking about Long Gone Day. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. That was another edition of the cutting room floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.